principals hope the ministerial inquiry into school property will flush out answers over delays, pauses and backtracks over much-needed new classrooms. Schools say the education ministries lacked clarity, transparency and consistency in approving and further in then actually providing new classrooms to accommodate widespread role growth. The government announced the review yesterday. It follows a growing chorus of anger and dismay from schools around the Mutu whose building projects have either been put on hold or re-scoped, while others are in limbo waiting to engage with ministry property officials. Around 350 projects have been identified where the scope of what was planned was deemed unrealistic or unaffordable by the ministry. The Education Minister, Eric Stanford, said schools with immediate role pressures could see their property projects go ahead, but some may need to be redesigned. And she's open to public-private partnerships for the construction. The review into school property is expected to report back in three months. As you heard in the news, the Minister says this will be a priority in the budget. The Labour opposition claims the government knew about rising costs for building projects and is trying to find an excuse to get out of school upgrades to help deliver its tax cuts. The president of the Secondary Principals Association is Vaughan Cuyo. Good morning, Vaughan. <laughs> Good morning, how are you? Why are you Good laughing? Good effort on my last name. So oh, it's Cuyo, isn't it? Just pronounce it for me, Vaughan. Quio. It's been a while. Yeah. Forgive me. No. Kyle no, no, Brewerton. I can do. I can do. Kyle. Kyle Brewerton is president of the Auckland Primary <laughs> Principals Association. Morning, Kyle. Good morning. Right, Vaughan. There's been frustration from principals for a long time. What's your reaction to the fact there'll now be a ministerial inquiry? Uh, actually, I'm. I'm really pleased. What it shows for us is that the, the new minister. Um, and it's not a commentary about her predecessors, it's a commentary about uh, our current minister, has listened to the sector uh, and in a really quick space of time has gone, actually, there's something not quite right here. We've got to, we've got to dig into it and, and uncover what's been going wrong because there appears, well, in my experience and the experience of my colleagues, there's been um, systemic issues in the property area for decades. Did you raise them with the previous minister? What was the response? Uh, we, 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 well, property's always been on the agenda, uh, with ministers. So it goes, in my time on spans, it goes back to Minister Pranata. Uh, and so we have always had issues about quality teacher supply and the property division. So we've raised it with um, many ministers over time. Um, but it's got to an, what I'd say is, is a horribly acute stage at, at this at this point. My colleague for Phil Pennington's report that 20 projects had been paused, including quite yeah. extreme situations. We heard about the high needs unit that had water sort of yeah. pouring down the walls by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. What is your understanding of that? Did the ministry itself initiate that and say, look, we're in a position now where we just can't deliver these? What were you told? I, that, that is my understanding. Uh, we, we uh, and I think the minister's been pretty public uh, with regard to her response around uh, it being an incoming government thing. Uh, it isn't an incoming government thing because they hadn't formed a, formed a government when uh, the, the brakes were put on. Uh, so of course our coalition came to be, uh, or our current government coalition came to be very late last year, and these these pauses uh, probably happened before that. So the timing doesn't quite line up with it's the new minister's fault. So um, whilst I'm, I'm uh, cautious about taking a political side, uh, it appears that this is um, public servants' decisions rather than the minister's. 
I asked her directly whether she'd signed off on it. She said, it, it, no, I don't sign off on this. It is operational. So, yeah. On the pause. Next yeah. point is this. Uh, she also, in her interview, said she had been trying to get more information. So yeah. let's come back to how bad things are at. What, what do you believe is at the root of this? Having this number... Uh, I think 20 projects were definitively paused. Others that we've talked to have said, well, now they're changing what they're going to do. We're going to get four classrooms. Now we're going to get two classrooms. We've been given options to re-scope. Yeah. What's at the root I, of it? I don't, I don't think 20 is the right number either because that was within the, the, the scope of you, the questions that you asked. Uh, and so, you know, you, you, you guys submitted an OAA probably to get that data uh, and they would have answered the question based on what you asked. The, it, it is far, I would say there's far more than 20. Um, well, 350, I, I know, 350 is the figure the Minister's using in her media yep, release. Yep, Projects yep. being identified with the scope of what was planned was deemed unrealistic or unaffordable. Yep, yep. Uh, well, is that, is do you think that? that's the figure well, or do you think it's bigger than that? Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I think, it's, I think that's, that's, that's better. Well, it's not better, but that's worse, yes. Uh, it's, it's rife. It's systemic. What we've got, for some reason... Uh, irrespective of whether you think the people making these decisions are good, bad or indifferent. We've got a systemic failure where the planning isn't right in terms of either role growth or need in a particular area and the delivery doesn't work either. So whatever, whatever, basically it comes down to our system isn't fit for purpose uh, and we've got to give it a shake up because it's not providing State well, schools that need those publicly funded buildings, those facilities in a timely and effective manner. Okay, three factors: role growth. Now, yep. what we're hearing from the likes of the school in Dunedin we talked to yesterday is that despite yep. their role growth, the ministry says no, we're going to look at role growth at all schools in the district, and that seems to be a factor in whether or not they're going to get their new classroom. Um, role growth projections notoriously difficult, but is that in itself a key issue or is that a means of trying to manage cost blowouts? Uh, It's a key issue. When when, um, the officials of the day make the decision to open the borders, which they certainly have done in the last 18 months, uh, and get the net migration that we've had uh, in the last year, that has to bring babies with it, doesn't it? Uh, there has to be some sort of link between, right, we've let a whole lot of Im- uh, immigrants in, which, which we needed uh, in terms of workforce. We had real workforce supply issues. They're bringing children with them. And those children uh, in the first wave knocked on our doors in term three, uh, and the rest of them have knocked on our doors in January. And so there's a huge influx of students into, the, into, this, uh, into our sector, not necessarily evenly across every school, but you think about Auckland and Hamilton, for example, there's been a huge spike uh, in, in new, to, new to country, new to school enrolments, uh, where um, those, those kids are, are here now, they're here today. They've, they've, they've been marked present today, uh, and an 18-month delay for a classroom to put them in uh, is, is uh, a, a third of the sec- secondary school journey. It's just not good enough. What do you believe it's going on then in trying to use role growth, uncertainty over role growth, as a reason for some pauses or rescoping? Well, you know, we've had periods of roles going up and roles going down, and I suppose the answer to that is if if you don't want to build permanent infrastructure, then you've got to do better with your modular stuff. 
you've got to have on hand uh, uh, an amount of property. And by on hand, it's either a whole lot of buildings stacked up beside the motorway somewhere that you can deploy in schools, or they can be constructed relatively quickly by a number of contractors across the, the region to get modular stuff into. Because you're talking about a rectangular box with with good heating, uh, good insulation, some windows and a whiteboard and a data projector, right? So you're not talking about a conference centre, you're not talking about anything particularly complicated in terms of a build. You just need to have the pipeline sorted in advance of when the kids are getting here. Now, even if uh, even if you ordered 10 classrooms too many, that's, that's probably not going to be the end of the world, is it? So the second point is whether they've been overspecked, which the minister raises an issue in which principals we spoke to yesterday concurred with. Are we just getting too too flash? Obviously, they need to meet building requirements, accessibility requirements. They need to be warm and dry, and you need to be able to hear. Yeah. But yeah. on so, balance, yep. have they been overspecked? Well, it's not necessarily overspecked, but I'd say yes in some instances, right? But in other instances, uh, I'd, I'd go, hey, I've got a really good block that I've built here at my school. It's such a purpose. It's brilliant. It's got a footprint of this. Why can't I just give that plan to my mate up the road uh, who's got a similar uh, growth situation and go, rather than a whole lot of design and architecty stuff, this building already works. Why don't we put it on this site? Uh, and we sort of did that in the 50s with Nelson blocks and bits and pieces where a lot of schools looked similar, right? So there was a, a particular design. You could get them up. Uh, quickly and effectively. Uh, and we've probably veered too much into the bespoke space, uh, far too much built, tied up in design, far too much tied up in uh, buildings that look amazing, but you can't clean them. How do you clean a window up there? It's miles away. You know, all those sorts of, all those sorts of issues. So we probably need to uh, ease it back a bit and go, actually, there's a, there's a stock or a style. Um, and in the short term, a modular uh, solution might be best for that. Because if a, if a school or an area then experiences role decline, you can just pick that building up and put it somewhere else. Do you have any uh, sympathy for the ministry dealing with the explosion in construction costs post-pandemic? Oh, look, there's a bit of sympathy there, but what I don't have sympathy for is the utter lack of transparency and communication. Well, can you elaborate on that? Well, they just don't talk to you. I've spoken to, I've spoken to you this morning... Uh, more than some principals have spoken to their property teams. Yeah, Catherine, if I can leap in there from the primary perspective, we know of numerous schools across Auckland, and this, this goes back to the storm damage in Auckland as well, which is a compounding factor, but we've got schools who are still waiting for ministry to attend to those classes that were ruined during those, those storms. So we've got classrooms literally sliding down hills and still waiting for clarity around a way forward. So you've got role growth compounded with classrooms that are now literally disappearing. Absolutely. I'll come to primary in a moment, Kyle's pa- waiting patiently, but can you just touch on some <laughs> examples from around the country with secondary schools? I know you've been in touch with some. Oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So um, to support what Kyle just said, and good to, good to hear from you, Kyle. Always, always good to talk, bro. Um, we've got a school in Auckland who hasn't used its gym for four years because it is sliding down a hill, uh, and every time they, they, they've done the design, they know what they need to do, but every time... Uh, it goes forward a little bit, it falls back and there's not enough money. So they haven't moved swiftly enough. Prices have gone through the roof and the original pricing now doesn't meet the need of, of what that project needs. So that's not a new build, that is a remediate existing. So they've been without a gym for four years. Uh, you would have seen what happened in Papamoa last week where a project uh, that was started that actually required some demolition of some other stuff on site, the demo was done and now the project's been put on hold. So you've actually taken something away and you've not replaced it. You've got school down in Invercargill where 
they've got end of life with their buildings, they're not necessarily fit for purpose. Uh, that particular school has been uh, told not to use its five-year maintenance money because schools get funded on a five-year cycle to maintain uh, its building stock. So they haven't been able to spend any of that five-year maintenance money on the existing buildings because of the rebuild project. And we're eight years in and, and, and all we've got for it is a toilet block. Uh, and then, of course, you can chuck in there uh, the, the Canterbury Schools rebuild project where some Canterbury schools post-earthquake, and we're talking over a decade ago, uh, have got nice, shiny and new, and others haven't been attended to in any way at this point. Uh, and then there's that lack of communication where you send emails uh, and you just, you just don't get a reply. Vaughan, thank you. Stay with us for a moment. Kyle, come in. Kyle Broughton, who uh, is representing the primary sector today. He's president of the Auckland Primary Principals Association and the principal of Remuera Intermediate School. Just pick up on the experience from your sector. Kyle, is it the same story? Oh, very much the same story. I think, you know, picking up on a couple of your points there around the the sort of shift, if you like, to bespoke building. You know, when the Ministry are telling us that part of the issue is that building costs now for teaching space have gone from 700000 to $1.2 million per teaching space, you have to question what's going on. You can get, a, you can get three family homes for, for $1.2 million, so you know, to, trying to justify that sort of cost just makes no sense. And to Vaughan's point, we don't know why or how some of that's happening. The fees involved in building in schools uh, are outrageous. You're looking at 20 to 30% of the cost can go towards fees if you are doing a bespoke design. A- again, to, to Vaughan's point, if you had, you know, for example, a, you know, a selection, if you like, of 12 types of blocks, generic blocks that we know work well, we've been tried and tested in schools, we say, right, here's your site, pick up one of these designs. Most of the work's done in terms of the design, the engineering's done, the fire reports are all done. Now it's just a case of adapting it to fit your site. Job done. We save squillions doing those sorts of things, working smarter, and we're just not seeing that. When did things start getting very bespoke, Kyle? Uh, I think, to be fair, it was pretty much with the introduction of Tomorrow's Schools and Boards of Trustees, yeah. because at that point yeah. of time, in time, Boards of Trustees became... The, um, the guardians, if you like, of the school property portfolio. Mm. Um, they were starting to make decisions around the way forward. That was then compounded by the leaky homes issue we had in the late 90s. So at that sort of time when boards were really starting to get a handle on how do we do this property thing, they were building these architectural edifices and what have you that were just leaking like sieves. And that's, that's created another background issue that's compounding as well. So, so, know, so who makes decisions bit... now on a building project? Uh, it depends. So if it's, a, if it's a relatively inexpensive, it will often still reside with the school, but more and more so the ministry are taking control back of that property portfolio. And to be fair, that's not a bad idea because you want to make sure that you are getting quality, but $1.2 million seems a little bit excessive for quality. So just help me out here. If there's an issue, and the minister's criticised it, of bespoke grand gestures to some extent, mm. lovely to have, but clearly not affordable at the moment, um, yeah. Is that coming from the schools or is so it coming from the ministry? Times, Who yeah. thrashes out what you're going to get? Yeah, in, in recent times it's been far more of a partnership. So boards have worked closely with and principals have worked closely with the ministry. Uh, they've engaged a third party often. So you'll have a, a third party organisation that will project manage your five-year your five property programme, uh, which is that work that Vaughan talked about. Sometimes that will be some... Um, additional construction. Who's the and third party? So that will be a private organisation who, uh, like an architect or whatever. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they will uh, they will also project manage those. 
and they have to be accredited by the ministry. So but ultimately decision-making in terms of sign-off, once you start talking big money, then the ministry have to sign off on that. And going back to our earlier question around the, the 20 or 300 classes and projects that have been paused, what we know part of the issue is that budgets were approved, works were approved, and in the time it took between the approval and figures arriving is the costs have escalated. So then there's a bit of a panic and it's like, well, okay, we don't have the extra, you know, 10%, 20%, 30% that we need to go ahead. So we do a wholesale pause. And, and you know, to Vaughan's point, that that was a, a ministry decision, not a ministerial decision. Yeah, and it came, what is also frustrating on the communication front is that it seems to have come last minute for a lot of schools. I don't think the 30% plus... Uh, increase in construction costs post-pandemic is news to anybody, is it? Uh, no, but but no. the communication remains an issue. What's the way forward? Very quickly to each of you, what's the way forward, Kyle? I think exactly what we've got in place is is a very rapid look at where is the most critical need today so that we can get into those schools make sure they have the spaces they need so that kids can keep learning. And then the second part is exactly what we're doing is this review to find out how do we get out of this mess and how do we go forward so that we can do a better job for our young people. Vaughan? And then adding to that, yep, got all of that, but I think we've got to go to a more modular solution in the short term. We've got to get classrooms onto school properties in, in a term, in three months, not in 18 months. Yep. Thank you, Vaughan. Kuyo there, who is President of the Secondary Principals Association, Kyle Brewerton, President of the Auckland Primary Principals Association.